Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Suave Talk presented by Dyer's Top Rods. And joining us today, I'm looking across the room, a very, <laughs> very special guest, the founding father of DOD, the czar of dirt late model racing, at least that's what I call him. And I think he got voted in one year by the drivers one day when he wasn't even really a, like an item to choose from. <laughs> Michael Rigsby is joining us now on the Integra Shocks and Springs Hotline. And first question I got to ask since you're the czar, is Tyler Herb free? Tyler Herb should be free. Okay? He should be free. Tyler Herb should be free. It has been a year. I'm assuming we're talking about the suspension at Cedar Yes, because right? it's supposed yeah. to end here this week sometime. I, I am not a World Racing Group decision maker, <laughs> but if I was the official czar of Dirt Late Model Racing, and I think maybe I should be the official czar of Dirt Late Model Racing, yes, Tyler Herb should be free. I hope that he is. Uh, the world is a better place when he's out there running Dirt Late Model events that he wants to run. Even though he's making a shit ton of money at these other races, I was just joking with him. He should be free, yes. Yeah, Turbo, you hear that? The czar saying you're free. I think he should tweet it, get us some traction tonight. <laughs> what do you think? Well, I'm trying to stay off Twitter because that's <laughs> never... Like, like, I feel like I've been super professional about it. And uh, I don't know, like, Schumann, he tweeted yesterday that I'm officially eligible for reinstatement. So I texted him and said, this is my official... Uh, offer to be reinstated. Like, I don't know how to word it, but I was like, obviously, this is the time. You said I'm good. So, I don't know. I hope so. I'm ready to be over it. I'm a better man. I'm a changed man. Um, you know, there's a catch to everything. I've lost a lot of money in a nutshell, potentially, but all the races I haven't been able to go to, we've been fortunate enough to run good. So, we've made a little bit of money. And uh, yeah, it's good. I, I'd like for it to be over you know, this week and, uh, hopefully we can hit a summer nationals race next week before we go to Batesville. You know, we're all about racing as much as we can. And, you know, that would open up, uh, some opportunities for us to race here in the, in the next two months or so. Do you have like a clear, and I, I don't know if they've discussed this with you. Have they had like a clear path for you? Like, okay, now you're reinstated and now you do this, or has it been kind of murky for you the whole time about when exactly you're eligible, when you're not, I don't know that you know, do you Tyler? <laughs> No, I mean, the, the official thing was like a minimum year, you know, the fines, the anger management, and I did the anger management, I paid my fines, and a year was uh, yesterday on Sunday. So, I mean, as far as all that goes, I feel like I've done everything that I've been asked, and, you know, they've worked with me here in the past couple of weeks a little bit, trying to be prepared, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's not like I didn't get a letter that I got in trouble that said, Hey, on this date, you're all good, which it's, it's like anything. Uh, you know, I'm technically still on probation for Lucas oil from the East Bay thing. That I, forgot, was like, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. They, that day they were like, well, you're on probation. So we tell you otherwise, but that was six months ago and I haven't heard anything about it. So, you know, nothing's set in stone, but you know, I, I like racing WRG summer nationals, all that stuff. I'm not, you know, I'm not opposed to them. I, I had to live with my decisions and, you know, I feel like I've paid the price. So hopefully it's all done. And, uh, you know, as soon as I let you know, or as soon as I know, I'll let the world know on Twitter because that's how things are done in 2021. So as soon as I know, the whole world will know, hopefully. <laughs> when Derek and his friends, um, I'm just going to say Free this. turbo. When they have relations with ladies, sometimes they'll tweet Yankee Doodle. Can you tweet Yankee Doodle, Turbo? <laughs> You're free. Just a Yankee Doodle yeah, tweet. That's 
<laughs> yes, Yankee Doodle is the code word. Yes. Uh, all right, sounds good. So back to Michael. Sorry, here. sorry, we got off topic. Before we get to a little history about you, remember, I think you said this one time on a million podcasts or uh, race or not race wires video casts. But uh, remember when you said there was too much racing, and then you started a racing series. <laughs> So, like, you want to just how that yes, go? Yes, I can. I think I can, like, kind of <laughs> defend that decision. I beat the drum of too much racing for a long time, and eventually just lost the war. There was, I admit it. I threw the white flag up. I couldn't put the genie back in the bottle. There was way too much racing. And then, you know, you had series kind of tell me, "Hey, you can no longer cover our live events, right?" You know, we were covering. We were doing, and this is no disrespect to Lucas or WRG, but you know, we sold the company and are no longer going to be part of our live broadcasting events. So, a shit, it seems like nobody else thinks there's too much racing, so we might as well get in on it a little bit. And B, I can no longer do these events live. I kind of think this mini series will be a cool thing. Oh, by the way, the mini series does not step on either other series. See how nice of a guy I am. That's very nice. Very, of you. very gentle human being. So. Finally, I just said, screw it. Everybody else wants to race. We'll race too, and I won't even, I won't even step on everybody else that's out there right now. Just imagine when you started the, this comp, or the company Dirt on Dirt in 2007 when you launched. Obviously, it was in the works for a couple of years. What, you barely survived then. How the hell would you have survived in uh, 2021 with all this racing when you started Dirt on Dirt back then? I couldn't have. You know, There's only you, Amber, and, uh, and Todd. Todd. And so. you say it all the time, Derek. You saved my career, which is true. Until I hired you, we were screwed just because I could not keep up, keep up with everything. So there is a big uh, acknowledgement to oh, Derek well, being you. a huge important nice part plug. of my life. We just uh, – there'd be no way, right? We, we can – is, is we transition now to Flow has 1,300 live races and Dirt on Dirt shooting all this stuff. We're struggling, and I'll be honest, we're struggling with a little bit of quality control right now because there's so many new shooters, so many guys covering stuff that's not shot a ton of racing. Every Sunday and Monday, Derek and I are going through it trying to make these shooters better. So can I use can I say the F word on this podcast? Yes, it's, oh, it's turbo <laughs> on it. <laughs> we'd, we'd be fucked. All right, we'd be screw- I would be completely screwed. We're still struggling with it a little bit, but you have my assurance we're going to try to make it better. One more question I got for him, Turbo, before you get him on the hot seat. 2007, when you started, when did the Allen GIF of you with all like the math and numbers from Hangover <laughs> come into play? And how the hell did you start Dirt on Dirt? I know that you love sports. You know the internet was going the right way. People have heard in the past, but... Man, you just kind of took that leap at the age of 24, which, by the way, people don't realize how young you were when you started it. I know. It's how freaking old I am now. I knew that I went to Eldora, and I have not missed a World 100 in ages since the early 90s, uh, and there was 25,000 people there. In all due respect to the newspapers, not, this does not add up. The internet is growing. There is. It was all built around the World 100. The World 100 is my great love. Eldora is my great love, other than my wife, Amber. And I knew there's 25,000 people at this event if we could have this source to instantaneously, not even live video at the time, cover it. Here's what you know Jerry Bowersock had to say about his heat race run. Here's what Eddie Carrier Jr. had to say about his heat race run. And it was a like a Bible for dirt late model racing for 25,000 people at that one event alone. It would work. I knew it would work. Uh, now it's still a big leap of faith, right? We took out a $60,000 business loan, quit our jobs, and pushed all of our Which chips. Which you showed the me the, the note. Which is kind of funny, the sixty thousand yeah, yes. loan things. That was pretty cool. To see. So uh, we took, we did all of those things, and I just uh, took a huge leap of faith, and it really, it really worked out. It would, you know, Amber and Todd kept me sane and made the whole thing happen. I just knew. I'm sitting in the stands at Eldora. There's twenty five thousand people here, and the only news source is a newspaper. Two weeks later, that's not good enough. We can do better, 
and from there grew this entire cottage enterprise. Yeah, Turbo was like seven or eight when you started the company, so <laughs> we'll let him answer. We'll let, uh, I know. Him ask a few questions, Turbo. I know you got a couple. Uh, you want to go off the bat here, and then we'll go back and forth. All right, yeah. So 2007, I was eight years old. Oh, I was actually of Texas Children's Hospital from 07 to 08 and a half. That's when I had cancer. So fun fact, I actually was in the hospital when I watched my first Dirt on Dirt video. Oh, man. So that's something that we have in common there. You said you love Eldora and Amber, which we know that Amber, she doesn't have to love you. You're, you're way out of your <laughs> But um, everyone in the pits knows this, I think, and they just want closure. Like, do you own Fairbury? Like, they say Curl on it. You own Fairbury. What is your percent owner oh. of Fairbury? Curlbot Falls, remember? Wow. Not only did he ask me if I own it, he asked me what my percentage ownership of He's a good investigative of, reporter. Of Fairy, Fairy. Did you put him up to this no, question, No, I swear. By the way? He, he wrote out his own questions. Uh, wow. Uh, this one actually is – you know how people say, oh, I'm not ready for this. I was seriously not freaking ready for this question at all. Uh, okay, I'm going to try to answer this as diplomatically but as directly as possible. Everyone knows Matt Curl runs Fairbury, right? Matt Curl's the general manager. Matt Curl's the promoter at Fairbury Speedway. When you need a decision about Fairbury, you go to Matt Curl. Matt Curl and I have been friends for a very long time. Childhood friends that were going to Fairbury together for the longest time. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I can diplomatically answer this. I, uh, Boy, what do I want to say here, Derek? Uh, yeah. Yes. Don't you own Fairbury in some way, shape, or form. I, That's I, all we can in some in some way, shape, or form, I'm being diplomatic about this. Yes, I have involvement in the ownership of Fairbury American Legion Speedway. Yes is the answer to that question. Yes. I, I will not say what percentage or anything like that. I will say two things. Matt Curl is the greatest promoter in the United States of America right now, number one without question. And number two, yes, I have involvement in Fairbury American Legion Speedway. I'll put that to bed. Hashtag yes. falls. Hashtag Rawls, right? Rigsby, American League. <laughs> and again, I want to be very clear here. It's Curl's baby. You can't ask for a better guy in the world. Curl's the guy, but but yes, to answer your question. I don't like being dishonest, so yes. Yes, I knew it. Okay, everyone's happy. You don't know how many people talk about it. Does Rigsby really own that? I'm like, <laughs> yes. I said, why would... There's no reason you'd put that much into it if you didn't have some sort of involvement. And so it's also you. it is also my it is my it is everything to me, right? Fairbury is as much as I love Eldora Fair. I was born at Fairbury, basically, right? It's not just about money for me; it's about love and passion and um, and those things. So, right, okay, all right. Uh, next question. We'll play off of that since we know you're an owner of a racetrack. Here we go. You're the the H in charge for flow, basically. Um, do you even work? Like, what do you do for flow? Or do you just <laughs> patient? Because honestly, everyone always asks Derek, me and Derek, they're like, Hey, where's Rigsby? I'm like, Oh, he's on vacation. And Derek's like, yeah, he doesn't, he's crown jeweled only 15 race schedule. He doesn't show up. So, I mean, what do you do anymore? Do you just vacation full time? I mean, wow. what's your, what's your, he's a stay at home career? dad. God, now. Damn. He's coming. He's swinging. a stay at home right, dad. Here we go. Stay at home right, dad. By the way, I want to go back to that last question. Also curl also Fairbury owner, by the way, I want to make sure that's clear also. Right. It's so just, just so to be you're 51% curls. No, no, no. I'm not getting into percentages. I'm not getting into any of that at all. I just, I'm, I'm being, I want to make sure that's very clear. Clear curl owner. Uh, okay. Uh, the last question, do I work anymore? Yes. My technical job at flow technically is uh, VP of rights acquisition. So 
when Flo signs the Chili Bowl to come be broadcast on Flow Racing, that is Michael Rigsby, and not just me, there's other people helping me, but Michael Rigsby spearheading that. I'm going and negotiating with Emmett Hahn and getting those rights on Flow. When Flo signs the All-Star Circuit of Champions, that's Michael Rigsby. When Flo, all of these races and contracts that have to be signed, that's what I do. I'm in rights acquisition. I go and get those. Of course, I still do content, too. I host Flow Racing Night in America. I do the Rigsby Report. I will do video casts, which will be returning with Derek very soon. So I do all that stuff, and of course, I'm still paying attention to Dirt on Dirt and all that. There is no way I could go get the Chili Bowl and go get the All-Stars and do all of the other political things that I do at Flow if I was still attending 100 races a year. Therefore, I can no longer go to that many races a year. Uh, and I'll be honest, Turbo, I don't want to go to that many. I was doing 120 races a year for seven or eight, nine years. I don't want to do that anymore. Uh, but that's why. I, if, if, there, if a right, if, if a video uh, highlight or a video uh, is airing live on Flow, it's because I went and signed the right to it and got it on our network. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, we know what you do. You didn't answer the vacation. That means you can do a lot of this from a laptop in Turks and Caicos. Oh, here we go. Italy. The Turks and Caicos. Yes. Uh, yes. I, I do take more vacations now than I used to, but God damn it, I earned it. And I don't, I'm not going to shy away from it. I deserve it. I earned it. And I'm going to go on vacation a little more than I used to. And I'm also working the whole time I'm there. So. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. I got one more for you. Then you can go back to Suave. Um, <laughs> if Michael Rick rewrite the rules of dirt late model racing what would you do what would you change the biggest give me three things that need to change in dirt late model racing rules procedures whatever it may be no pay-per-view rights unless it's flow what does it need to be <laughs> you're saying that's not so every event broadcast live on flow racing is not an option for for, for one of these rules well, it'd be maybe that's better or worse i mean having to buy dirt vision 300 dollars, 75 dollars to see the lake having to buy racing <laughs> dirt having to buy having a fuck I mean, if we added up all the subscriptions, it's bad. It's bad. It's a guy is two grand in the hole to watch every race by every pay-per-view or it's $1,500 a night. But, 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 but people buy cable because they can't afford to go to 15 NFL games. You know what I mean? Let's risk rewards here. So that's side topic. But what is things that you change? You're, you're the boss of DLM. You're the head guy in charge of everything late model racing related. What do we need to change? Three all things. Right, all right. I'm going to flip. I'm going to flip the first one back on you because I don't pretend to be an expert about the inner workings of a car. Like I know a late model, right? I know what a bird cage is. I know what all that stuff is, right? I mean, I, I basically know, but bottom line without question, it has to be cheaper. It has to be, or it will die a very long, very slow death. That could be 30 years, but it will die if it's not cheaper. So turbo don't wax poetic forever. How do we make it cheaper? It has got to be more affordable. How do we do it? Um, I think one way to be cheaper, I got, I got two things that I think need to be for sure. Um, one way to be cheaper is a unified tire rule. Without question. Is, it, it's a catch 22. If we go all LM tires, 20 right rear, 30, 40 option. Okay. That's fine and dandy if they stay at the same price they're at. But Tim McCready brought up a great point one time. I was talking to him last month. He said, okay, big blocks did that. And now every tire is 200, $250 a piece. Yes, you can sell them to a local guy for 50 to a hundred bucks, but you're paying more money up front from the get go because they know that you don't have any options to go buy anything else. So yeah. I think a unified tire rule with a locked-in price could be good, but I don't think anything's locked in with this, you know, the time that we're in right now. I mean, if they made the price $300 right now, the people that race are still going to race and still going to buy tires. But if we had the option to run three, 
I think if you could make it across the whole United States, this is my doing a lot. Like Randall will tell you and, you know, Mark and Hoghead and a lot of them people are like, no, you can't run a 30 at Port Royal. You got to have 14 and a quarter. Yeah. You got to have this. But, but if, if you're on the wrong tire at a lot of places, which we are right now, I think it does make the racing better. East because Bay. East Bay, right? I mean, it's, Bay, it's just totally Bay, the wrong Bay, tire. Bay does not eleven hundreds because you can start 30th there and still win the race. And that's the only racetrack in the country yep. that you can start dead out a problem and win the race. So I think that if we could lock in a tire price and roll with three tires for sure, you might still buy, you know, if you're a national team, you might still buy 200, 300 tires. But if you're a local guy, and the problem is if I go to Mississippi and run 1300s, 1350s all week, and they run LM20s an hour from my house, I can't sell them to the guy up here. And that guy, therefore, has to go buy new tires or find somebody that's got really, really, you know what I mean? Yep. I feel like the tires could be a way to save some money. But on a flip flip side of all that, okay, say you spend, you're a national team and you spend $40,000, $50,000 a year on tires, that's one motor. So how do you, at what point do we say, okay, we get a motor that, you know, is 25,000 topped out. I mean, that could be a cheaper alternative, but then it just gets back into crate racing where everyone cheats a crate motor. Everything's more illegal. You know, I don't want to have to tear my whole motor down in between a Lucas weekend from one place to the next. So I don't know how to make it cheaper. I do know that if a race at the end of the year pays 10,000 to win and it used to pay 50,000, I'm not calling out any names, but it's in Georgia and it's two of my least favorite racetracks. I think that there's no reason for us to drive that far away. You know, one of the ways to keep the cost down is if you have a series, you know, you race, if you're headed to Magnolia, Mississippi, and everyone for the most part is located north, you have three or four races along the way to that weekend. That way, if there's a rain out or something like that, you're not in the hole as bad. But if you go out west, you know, when you go to uh, Wisconsin, Minnesota, places like that, if you have six races scheduled and two rained out, that still gives you an opportunity to race four times. If you have to drive all that way for two races and don't get anything in, that's really bad economically for every team. It don't matter what tires, motors, whatever. You wasted two days of your time, effort, you still had to pay everybody and nobody got anything. So I think scheduling could be a factor. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, this is a conversation we have a lot. And at the end of the day, anyone that races professionally, for the most part, they know they're not making money. They're just trying to survive and break even the guy that's paying the bills. And, uh, if you can figure out a way to make it cheaper, I'm all in on that. Maybe TV, uh, you know, TV rights to the teams that travel. If the camera's on you for 30 minutes and a four hour program, maybe <laughs> that's something that we think about. But I'm, I'm not the broadcaster. I'm just the, we're just the guys that show up and race. So maybe you know more about that aspect. Of well, it. I'll say this, and I would, ch- you know, as as the czar of dirt late model racing, or if I was in charge, I would I would challenge the people who know our expertise on ways to make it cheaper to do it. So number one, I would make it cheaper. Number two, uh, you talked about scheduling. I have always said I wish I could do an incomplete master schedule for dirt, dirt late model racing. I when I look at the schedule all year long, Turbo, I see so many things that don't make sense. From a, it, it not even, you know, I, I think by and large the national tours do an okay job, but there are so many things that don't make sense on a national grand scheme level in late model racing on scheduling that could, could be so much better that I think if we adjusted the schedule a little bit here and there, that would help a lot. The third thing I think I would do is I'm not advocating for this for every racetrack. Because damn it, is is place a place only might clear say a place clears seven or eight grand on a summer nationals race or twelve or fifteen grand on a summer nationals race. I'm not trying to cut into that. Let them clear twelve or fifteen grand. But there are events out there that could be paying more. Look at the Prater Classic. 
Put my money, put our money where our mouth is at Fairbury. Pay fifty thousand dollars to win on a quarter mile boring with limited seating this year. There are other racetracks, and some have stepped up to the plate. Joe Kaziski, for instance, that could pay more and have started to pay more. And if you could go to more events, Turbo, that had 2000 to start, 3000 to start, three-day weekends, and where you can make 8 10 12 15 grand, that would make a huge difference to you. So I want some of those racetracks that can pay more to pay more and not here. Well, why would we pay more? We're doing so. We're already crushing it. You should pay more for the longevity and the future potential health of the sport. But not a, again, not a guy that's clearing eight grand on a summer nationals race. You know what, dude? You're fine. Don't worry about it. You need to stay open, and you don't worry about it. You pay five grand. Some of those other places, I'm sure you know a few of them, could pay more, and I think they should. I agree. I like it. I like it. Suave, what do you got? All right, back to the glory days of you at Dirt on Dirt starting it. Like, when you first went to the racetrack, did anybody know who the hell you were? Or they didn't even care. They're just like, oh, some cool guy is letting us is just shooting video. Because I feel like you guys were like the Wild West then, where you guys could just show oh up and kind of do whatever you want. And then that's kind of how it got other series more popular, though, too, also. Some people knew who we were. Just because you have to remember, like, Todd, I, was, I was writing stuff for Todd Turner in National Dirt Digest when I was 15 years old, right? So I had been doing stuff on and off for National Dirt Digest. And our paper here in Bloomington, the Panagraph, I had been on their racing beat for four years. So some people knew me from that stuff, right? Hey, I think I've seen this kid at Eldora. He's interviewed me before. I've gave him an autograph before. Yeah, probably. Shannon Babb, John Gill, those guys, Bob Pierce. But when I, uh, when I showed up with the cameras and stuff, I mean, I'll never forget it, right? Like Ben Shelton saying, oh, God, this will never work. I can't believe you quit your job. I tease Shannon Buckingham all the time. He always says, this will never work, you know? Uh, there was a lot of people very skeptical what, about what we were doing. You know, I always hold Jimmy Owens a special place in my heart, though. Jimmy Owens, the first race we ever attended at Florence before the website launch, we were doing a promo tour the month leading up to it. He said to me in the pits at Florence, because he won that weekend, if this works, you could change dirt late model racing forever. That's what Owens said to me. And he goes, I hope it works. He goes, it seems like you know what the hell you're doing. And I'll never forget Jimmy telling me that in the pits. Uh, but to answer your question, no, nobody really knew who we were, but they didn't know Todd. And Todd was important. Todd is the dean of dirt late model journalism. They knew who he was, and having him on our team made a huge difference. That's what I was going to ask. Like, right when you decided to make this idea of Dirt on Dirt, Todd Turner, did he instantly come in your head? Him and I kind of came together on the idea. We've already we'd bounced the idea together for a few years, right? I remember being in the airport flying to see Amber at one point, and him and I were talking about it when I was in the Madison, Wisconsin airport. Todd was always there. Todd was always involved, and Todd always was there from the beginning of, of like, eh, you know, like – this could work and him and I uh, working on it together. And then we bring Amber into the mix where we needed a marketing director. My wife happened to be a marketing director for a radio station or my girlfriend at the time. And uh, when she signed on, that took it to another level. You put Amber and her personality and her looks behind that booth suave. It was, it was worked like on that. me. <laughs> so was there ever any point that your relationship got tested or is oh, there yeah. any, I, obviously that probably happened. Was there any point where you're like, man, I don't know if this is going to work for me. I might consider quitting or is it just such a steamrolling thing? Cause kind of some special dates happen. You launched at the yeah. world 100, then 2008, I think they had the 10 races and 10 nights for speed. We weeks. got lucky. Yeah. So you had some good dates to help. And then the summer nationals in 2008 that no one has ever seen before. You obviously those are your ideas, but you had some good timing of things that definitely helped out. I feel absolutely like. some things broke in our favor. Like you said, we launched in 2007, and then in 2008, Golden Isles has that 10 races for 10,000 during speed weeks. First time that had ever been done. Of course, we're the only human beings crazy enough to go down there and stay for 10 days and cover it. Uh, no, I never thought about quitting. I was 
relentless with that I thought it would work. And by early to mid 2008, we subscribers started to roll in and it was financially successful. So listen, I'm not saying we were, you know, we were buying second homes anywhere, but it was good enough that I knew we, we couldn't quit. Now, Amber wanted to kill me 500 times, <laughs> but, but by and large, she, she believed in the idea too. When did you realize you had a seat at the table in dirt late model racing? Cause obviously your phone goes off nonstop with industry people. I have to a good be, question. it's unlimited, but when do you, when did you realize maybe, well, you know what? I got to see at this table. People are really taking my ideas or kind of asking me about information and stuff like that. I say this all the time and people, what do people joke us with us about rocket all the time? Like, word, Oh, you love rocket. Yeah. You're such a show. My but co-host rocket. Say whatever so. you want about Mark Richards. Mark is Mark is one of the most brilliant guys in the history of the sport. Yeah. Listen, Mark, Mark, can, I know Mark can piss. Mark's pissed me off before, right? That's going to happen. We have our moments. But when Mark in 2008 really started to kind of key in on what we were doing and ask me a lot of questions and talk to me, and then all of a sudden the series guys like you know Rick Schwally and Tim Chrisman and I became good friends with the World of Outlaws, those guys would come to us to break news in early to mid-2008. Like, hey, here's a story that's coming out. We want you guys to break it. That's when you know you've made it as a journalist, when they want that news to appear on your network because they know that it will get more eyeballs that way. It was the series people, Tim Chrisman, really, Schwally, and, and, and Mark, really, were the first three. And little Brian from Integra. I can't thank Brian Doherty enough, too. All right, Turbo, you got some questions for him? Yeah, okay, all right. So we know that you love Mark, little Brian. <laughs> people like, who are your favorite race car drivers? I'm going to ask you three different drivers, and then there's going to be a kicker at the end. Who's your favorite race car driver to watch? Who's your favorite race car driver to interview? And who's your least favorite race car driver to even, like, you just don't eat, you're like, oh, my God, here we go again. We got to watch this guy. And then that guy, he runs third at East Bay, and you got to talk to him. (laughs) Who are those three guys? Uh, And they can't be the same. You got to give me three different ones. My favorite race car, listen, I grew up a John Gill fan, obviously, but John is retired now and has long, he's not fully retired. He he did some crate stuff, but he doesn't race anymore. Shannon Babb's my guy, right? I mean, I'm an Illinois boy. I've grown up in parallel with Shannon's entire career in essence. He's about eight to 10 years older than me, but I love him to death. I love the Bab family and I, Shannon Babb is my favorite race car driver. He is. I mean, it's just my, my Illinois bias probably is that is, uh, but I love Shannon. It's, he also has stake in your live events a couple of times. He's made some moments yeah, for you. Derek always so. jokes that like we've give him a percentage cause he has saved a few of our live events with performances he's, he's put on. So Bab Bab is my favorite race car driver. Favorite interview. Um, um, I will say this, Bobby Pierce is probably my favorite race car driver to watch. Okay. I know. And this is funny because Turbo's on the line and they have, a, they have a little bit of a checkered history and it's not like Turbo's not freaking fun to watch too, but you know, you're watching Bobby track down Larson at Fairbury. There's not a lot of guys that can put a race car where Bobby puts it. Yeah. I made some contact with some guys sometime, but Bobby's freaking fun to watch. I think even Turbo would acknowledge that. So he, he's probably my favorite to watch. Uh, what's the next question? My favorite, favorite to interview. Favorite, favorite driver, inter- favorite driver to interview. Oh boy, be Scott because Scott. We know Scott. Scott. It's not even that he's a favorite. He just is gold. Everything he yeah, says. Yeah, it's not good. Scott. Almost like is like yes. Scott is going to be fantastically good, but I don't like. I don't even like. Yeah, we know Scott's almost like in a class of his own, right? Um, so I don't even necessarily want to say Scott. Uh, you know, I'm looking. I'm looking at our top 25 now, just to jog my memory a little bit. I got a couple guys that I really like. Uh, Brandon Overton's become really good, 
and, and I know that's like obviously the easy answer because he's winning a ton of races, but he's a really genuine kid. And I really know every time I talk to Overton, I might learn something that I didn't know before. Uh, but Overton's pretty good. Overton's become an, one of my favorite guys to interview. And uh, boy, I'm going to say McCready. I was going to say I like, I like interviewing McCready, McCready too because Mc- he'll say one yes. minute he'll be pissed off at something. Yeah. Then he gives his perspective because he's been racing a long time, and yeah. then he'll say he'll punch somebody's teeth you out. You leave so McCready everything. interviews fulfilled. And what I mean by that is, of course, you're looking for the soundbite as an interviewer, but you leave there knowing this guy was super genuine about the interview he just gave you. Whether whether he's right or wrong because he's coming from his own bias, he says what he thinks, and I love that. But like Derek said, like sometimes he wants to knock guys' teeth out, and sometimes he's like, you know what? We stink, and we need to get better. And he, I don't know. I just, I like McCready's really good, and he's a very genuine interview. What about the guy that's ranked like fifth or sixth in the top 25 poll? He didn't pick him. Who's ranked fifth or sixth? Well, Turbo doesn't yeah. almost count. Wow. Tur- Turbo's like Scott. Turbo, Der- Tyler's going to give you gold every time you talk to him. And here's the thing about Turbo. Turbo, and I have defended you to the end, especially to the Bobby Pierce crowd. Tyler, or Derek, what do I say about Tyler Erb? Tyler Erb is genuinely Tyler Erb. Yes. Everything he says is not an act. Whether you agree with what Turbo says or not, he is giving you what he believes to be the truth, and he's fun. If, if And I, I love Jimmy Owens to death, and I, I think he's a top five all-time dirt late model talent, but I always make the joke, if everybody drove like Jimmy, and what I mean by that is clean, never hits anybody, super steady, unbelievable driver, the world would be a boring place because we wouldn't have the flashes and the contact. If every interview was like, and I'll tease him a little bit, if every interview was like Daryl Lanigan, because Daryl doesn't love to get interviews, although he's getting better, it wouldn't be a fun place. Turbo gives us something we need, and he's not pretending when he does it, and there's something to be said for that. And then the last question was like, least like, like the least favorite, but obviously they don't stink at interviews. Just, I don't know. Turbo asked, like, dreading to go interview him. Uh, Daryl Lanigan was up there for me. Yeah, Lanigan, growing up Daryl, when and, I first started. And again, I love Daryl. Daryl has really treated me well over the years, and I'm not just giving him a political answer. So, I, you know, Daryl doesn't want to be interviewed. I think he would be honest with that. What is the other one everybody's going to say? People are going to say Dennis, right? That Dennis doesn't like to be interviewed. But the thing about Dennis is he's almost a little misunderstood in a way. Like if you, Dennis doesn't want you to ask him dumb questions. And I think I'm guilty because I know Dennis doesn't really want to be interviewed. I think I've asked him stupid shit because of that, because I'm a little intimidated by him in a way. Like, ah, I really got to not come at Dennis with a dumb question. And then I do. And he looks at me like, why are you so stupid? And he's right. I've asked a dumb question. So I think Dennis is a little misunderstood in a way. He's obviously a quiet guy, so that doesn't yield itself to the most gregarious interviews. Speaking um, of interviews, there's two drivers that you never know who's going to be done talking with their thought. Don O'Neill. Don O'Neill's all, number one. Who's number two, you think? He's a pretty good driver, currently young guy. He uh, He's always stopping. He always finishes with so. Uh, who? Bobby. Oh, yeah. Bobby, well, Bobby says heck all the time. Heck, right? and heck, so you're like, heck, is he going to be done with heck, this quote? Heck, and then you're like kind of thinking there with yeah. the long pause. And Derek but. teases me that I jump all over people because sometimes I can't tell when these guys are done or not. So I, I don't know. Daryl and Dennis, I guess, to a degree, but both of them have legitimate like reasons they're not bad, too. So, All right, Turbo, anything else? Uh, last one that I got for you. I mean, so you've done dirt on dirt. You've done everything that you're doing, flow. I mean, at the end of the day, when you go into the Hall of Fame, uh, or whatever happens at the end of Michael Rigsby's legacy as a dirt late model influencer, what do you want to be remembered as, and what do you think the impact 
I mean, do you think making dirt lay models worldwide web was the biggest impact or do you still have a bigger goal? Like what is the end deal that you want to say, Hey, this is what I've done for dirt lay model racing. Yeah, we got a higher turbo. These are good questions. That's why he's my co-host. These are good. These are good questions. He might need to be the host. I'm thinking swab. He you could. might have to get punted. Number one, I, my, I want my legacy to be that he, and I'll start with the dirt on dirt piece when as it pertains to that. He made people care more about dirt late model racing and he made the stars and personalities of dirt late model racing shine through. A very famous uh, crew chief told me one time, and I don't, but first of all, I don't think this about Scott Bloomquist. I want to be very clear. This is not my thoughts on Scott because I think Scott is brilliant, okay? I, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I think he's a brilliant guy. This, this crew chief said to me, who doesn't like Scott, obviously, Man, he goes, everybody kind of knew Scott Bloomquist was an asshole, but you showed people that Scott Bloomquist was an asshole. I don't think that about Scott. The point being that I knew that people would care about you guys more if we could expose the world to you, and that's all I want my legacy to be, that what they saw at Cedar Lake with Tyler Herb and what they saw in those early days with those Billy Moyer and Scott Bloomquist interviews and Jimmy Owens, we allowed the world to see into the world of dirt late model racing at a very high level. Um, listen, we weren't we weren't ESPN and never have been, but we're pretty good. And we allowed people to look into that window and care more about dirt late model racing, period. So that's the dirt on dirt legacy. The other legacy is flow. What we're building now. I'm, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Our audiences right now on flow racing, because we have more, and this is no disrespect to Dirt Vision or Lucas Oil TV. Those guys all do a freaking really good job. And I mean that our audiences are the biggest. We have more subscribers because we have more disciplines of motorsports than any other, than any other company. And that's just the way it is. And that's okay. Our audiences are bigger. There are more people watching our events than have ever watched them before. The World 100 would likely be the highest streamed event in the history of short track racing. That's my next legacy, Turbo. The next three or four or five years, I want the World 100 and the Chili Bowl to be seen by hundreds of thousands of people concurrently at the same time. And that's when that sponsorship money gets bigger for you. And that's when the sponsorship money gets bigger for the tracks. And that's when it gets bigger for everybody. I love it. I love it. I can't wait till you hit a million so I can get my 1%. That's all I'm <laughs> a million viewers, I just want 1% of that check that week. That's all I want. Listen, you know, I I am Derek will attest to this. I am a as big a Tyler Herb fan as there is. Does that mean I've agreed with everything you've done in your whole career? No, but I know you did it and you're not You know what drives me nuts? And this is one thing I want to talk to you about real quick cuz I know Derek's got to wrap up. The whole thing, more, the whole thing, the whole thing. You got into it with Justin Fiedler and those guys last year on Twitter. I know what you were. It wasn't about late model guys have to work on their cars and sprint car guys don't. I know that's kind of what the debate became. What I like about you is, I say this all the time about NASCAR. If you're in the NFL and you're a middle linebacker, or if you're the starting shooting guard in the NBA or whatever it is, you can't fake your way there. Not because your grandfather had a lot of money could you be in that position. Hey, my grandfather had a lot of money and got me a tryout for the Colts. It doesn't work that way. You'll get your head removed. The NFL and the NBA and Major League Baseball, that is the highest level of pure talent in the world in football, baseball, basketball. I don't know in motorsports is that the truth. I think there are kids in racing. We know this, right? They had a financial backer that put them in that position Kyle Larson does not count. Kyle Larson is the greatest motorsports talent I've ever seen in my entire life. So take him out of the equation. There are kids doing this that are not the best ever. 
And we don't know that when we watch NASCAR on Sunday, we're watching the greatest talent. So what I watch is these NASCAR kids and these NASCAR people and these NASCAR personalities, not all of them. I don't want to blanket all of them. What do they got to do, Turbo? They got to create a brand, right? Let's create a brand. I have to have a brand. I have to sell my brand. So I think the essence of the debate you were in with Justin Fiedler is he is looking at it from, and I don't want to put words in Justin's mouth. I, I, I would welcome him to challenge me, and please, Justin, don't take this the wrong way, but you know, you guys got to create a brand. You need to make and the hunt. The front boys have done it, and kudos to them. They've created a brand, but they also did it genuinely. What I don't like when you look at it through that Fiedler approach, and again, Justin, please don't take this the wrong way, of everybody's so worried about their brand. Tyler Herb's worried about being Tyler Herb. If, if your brand escalates from there, then freaking so be it. I, I don't like the idea that you've got to create the create something. I hate that. You are you because you're genuinely you, and that's freaking beautiful. It seems more in open wheel racing and NASCAR racing, brand managers and booking agents. That's all fake bullshit. And that's what I hate. And that's what I wanted to jump in and say during that argument last year is like, if only these guys knew how to manage their brand, I want them to at least say, we know it's fake as hell and complete bullshit, but you know, you might be able to sell some more shirts. I just wish they'd take that approach. Does that make sense, Turbo, what I'm saying? I agree hundred percent. I, uh, I mean, everything we do, like when I come out with a shirt and it's something funny, it's related to what happened. It's, I didn't go out there and try to be like, oh, I'm going to get in a crash. It's like, okay, this past weekend, perfect example. Daryl drove straight over my carburetor. Okay. <laughs> I'm with Daryl. He actually come over and said something to Randall. I was changing probably best. I didn't talk to him, but whatever. But like Monday morning, the problem is it wasn't a big enough audience to make a shirt that says something about Daryl. But in the, in the same breath, I mean, if, you're faking it to make it you just go every weekend looking for some sort of niche to expose and like that's not what we do and i think that's what you're trying to say and justin fiedler i mean you i listen i didn't i didn't agree with anything he said and that's why i fought with him for two days on twitter <laughs> but like, truth man i mean i like at the end of the day like i'm literally we washed our cars today and i don't give two shits what's going on the poll's gonna screw me tomorrow i know that's how it is. <laughs> What, I mean, what do you do? You know, like at the end of the day, the guy that wins the most races that performs that people like to watch or they love to hate, that's what they keep up with. You can talk the best shit and have the best Twitter account, but that's not what makes people want to be around you or want to watch you or want to be a part of what you do. People like what I do because they're like, dang, that guy's crazy. Or he drank a beer with me at victory lane, you know, well, people and that's like what, stuff. That, what, what I didn't like so, about what Fiedler and them say, and you know, I think they're going to use hunt the front as an example, but keep in mind and Joshua who works for us, his brothers, they've done a brilliant job. Their apparel sales and all of it are good happened organically. Right. And they're going to say, Oh, they, of course they know how to market it. I'm not saying they don't, but that was like this group of Southern boys being genuinely Southern, working their ass off. It wasn't like they got in a room with a bunch of suits, Turbo or Suave, and went like, okay, here is XYZ driver. How do we elevate him? And get, that, that's all like nonsense, and that's the reason motorsports has lost some of its essence is because of those things, right? We don't know that the guy finishing 12th at Watkins Glen is any good. I have no idea who finished 12th, by the way, so don't no hold idea. that against me. It, you know what I mean? It's just like I hate that about racing now. If you're like, God, that wide receiver caught a touchdown, he's pretty fucking good because he's in the NFL. We don't know that about racing. It all ties into the brand management bullshit, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I agree. At the end of the day, the guy that 
whatever makes the YouTube video have the most hits or who won the race, that's who gets the most attention, and that's the way it should be. I don't care what or why. But not you don't I have should. to create a fictitious world to sell it, right? Hey, Turbo's really got to figure out. No, Turbo doesn't have to figure anything out, right? Turbo's doing fine. You know, I don't. We don't Allegedly. Need... Well, Ross Chastain finished 12th, by the way. Oh no, no, and I don't. Again, I don't. No disrespect to Ross. I don't know enough about his background yeah. to comment one way or the other on Ross. He is so, 28 years old, so young pup. Did I see? By the way, earlier this year, you know, um, Turbo's girlfriend Caitlin Moriarty. You know, did I see her kind of? She was. I thought she, I saw her hitting on you at Speed Weeks this year. So, did that happen or that no? That usually happens every time I see her in person. <laughs> She's just making sure I'm doing okay. But so we we know how racing is like Gossip City. I just wanted to ask. This is one of my notes I had. What's the best rumor you've heard about yourself? Uh, the Fairberry one was hot for a long time. Um, the best rumor I've heard about myself, I, I have heard more than a few times that Amber and I had, we, that Amber and I came from money. Uh, I assure you we did not, that there was like a million dollar backer from this website. My television job in Madison, Wisconsin, by the way, pretty good job. Weekend anchor at the NBC affiliate in Madison, covering the Green Bay Packers on Sunday and the Badgers on Saturday. My TV job was $33,450 a year. That was my salary. I quit that job, moved in with Amber's parents, and took out a fifty—I think it was fifty-six thousand-dollar business loan. I say sixty usually, fifty-six thousand-dollar business loan, and went all in. If I've heard one time, like, oh man, I heard you guys started. We had dick. We had nothing. We started from nothing. I am low middle class family raised. My parents gave me everything I need. I loved them, but we didn't have anything. Turbo won more in one weekend at I eighty than you did. In your whole year. Oh, shit. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, you know, TV jobs are terrible. TV monies, whatever. Uh, That and I think another another one that I always heard was I hear all the time about how I hate XYZ driver. He hates me. He that. I... (laughs) That couldn't be further from the truth. Yeah. You know, I love to interview some guys more than others, but I don't. Have, we didn't have time to hate anybody. I promise you. All right. When you sold the company to Flow, which obviously was a great, great thing for you, great thing for racing. Flow's awesome. How hard was it for you to sell your baby? Uh, it was hard, but I also knew I was at peace at night because it was the right decision. Flow could offer me. Obviously, Flow offered me a lot of money for the company, so that made it easier. Uh, but Flow also had kind of shared vision that I had. So two years in, they still share that vision. So it, I don't regret it. I have not spent one second of regret thinking about it. Last note here. What is like your one travel slash story that always just sticks out? Because you've been on the road for a long time. You and Amber have told me some crazy ones. It's just obviously Turbo has had crazy ones. It's just something about being traveling. There's always some oh, one like that always sticks out. Early dirt on dirt days at Florence, Kentucky at the night's end right across the interstate down from the track. It was 1.30 or 2 o'clock in the morning, and I was going out. I got two good ones. Going out to get ice at the ice machine when people, I think, I don't know if anybody does that anymore. Going out to get ice, and I look over. You know, it's a, it's a motel, so they're outside doors. I look across the hall, across the parking lot. It's a close parking lot. There is a woman laying on the ground, completely passed out in the doorway. And, and she's, I mean, she is completely gone. And this guy, <laughs> this guy is, he can't, and this, I hate to say it like this. It wasn't a domestic dispute thing. He was so drunk and he was so passed out high, whatever. He couldn't figure out why the door wasn't shutting. Her body was in the way. <laughs> Why is the door not shutting? And he's like slamming because he's on the inside. Her body was in the way. So I go running over to try to get this woman out of the way. And about that time, two cop cars roll up in the parking lot because someone called it in as yeah. a domestic dispute. That's a, that's and a the good guy one. goes, it's, I don't know. Oh, God. I think her name was Betsy. Betsy, no. Like he didn't know. That's a good one. Uh, and the guy, uh, I don't want to say the racetrack. 
One night, it, uh, shit, I almost said it. One night at a racetrack, Amber tears the marketing booth down. She goes up into the press box. This is early DOD days. I'll just say it's a southern racetrack. And a guy goes, hey, do you want to see something cool? And he says this to Amber, and Amber says, oh, God, uh, sure. He takes his entire hand and sticks it in his mouth. I'm not joking, <laughs> almost all the way up to his forearm. Sat there for like five minutes. His drool just poured out around his hand. Amber came and found me and said, I, I, I think I have to quit. I don't think I can do this Ugh. anymore. So. That sounds phenomenal. <laughs> Turbo, you got, you got anything else before we ask him the last question? No, I'm tapped out on Rigsby questions. I left my five good ones out there. That's all <laughs> I got. Yeah, you did great. All right, so every guest we have on the show, you probably heard the ending, we're doing a driver assessment of Tyler Urban. Now, these guys might want to take it back here because Turbo's got tw or 12 wins yep. here in 2021. I think we might get to the 20 range if he gets hot here. But I just assess his driving ability, give him a letter grade, what he needs to improve on. Obviously, a lot of people say the same thing. He's a little wound up. But from your eyes, from media perspective, I want this media, no fake news like they say we have. Um, what do you think about the driving assessment of Tyler Urban? We're just trying to make him a champion contender. One I day. would put Turbo at an A- minus this year right now, which is a solid letter grade, by the way. I think I'm going to go the opposite. Everybody tells him to throttle down or calm down. That will happen naturally. I don't want him to change. I want Tyler to stay aggressive, stay up on the wheel, and not because it makes for better video highlights. I always say this about drivers. It's way easier to tell drivers to get off the throttle than it is get on it. You know who they are. There are drivers out there. It's like, man, the guy won't leave the bottom. He won't leave the middle. Those guys will never have a national level of success or Turbo or Bobby Pierce because they can't hustle their cars aggressively. Tyler should not change. You know who used to be wild? Brandon Overton. You know you know who used to be kind of wild way back in the day? Jonathan Davenport. I don't know if you've noticed, but those are two of the best freaking drivers in the country. Turbo's natural when to push it, when not to push it, that will happen naturally. He doesn't need to – it'll just happen for him as he gets older and matures. He doesn't need to do anything different. He's got 12 wins. He's a solid A-. minus. He went out and won 15 grand on PDC weekend – he won more than anybody but the winner of the PDC. Pretty solid. So I don't think he needs to do anything. Be you. I've said it the whole time. Be you, Tyler. Be you. That's pretty good words it. from uh, the czar of dirt late model racing. And I mean it. I love it. That's the best review I've ever got. <laughs> <laughs> what is like? What does Squirrel say when you had him on or somebody? What do they say? They always say, ah, you know. Like, was like, you want to thank uh, Bob and Lisa Cullen, uh, Tomlinson uh, Express? <laughs> I just want to thank Thompson Express, Lisa Bob Cullen, KBC Graphics, Hoker Trucking, Rocket, XR1, Integra. <laughs> you know, we've got to peace. Aaron's working hard. Just got to keep on at it and try to get some many summer national wins. <laughs> That's basically what he said when we asked him for his driver review. The whole time he's blinking at me, and I'm like, Squirrel, what is wrong? <laughs> all the time. But my, the best one, the best one by far has got to be my man Kyle Bronson. You know what I'm saying? I'll tell you right now, we run 89. I here like, and like, we should have had the money, but like, just made a mistake there, but like them restarts were bullshit. But like anyway, I'm telling you right now, like turbo you I mean me and you on the gas. Like if there's a cushion, that's the best chance we're gonna have to win. So we about to take advantage of it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, he should have won about hundred and three grand in the last three weeks because he should have won Cedar Lake, but that's a hell of a hell of a move by J D on that restart. So. Yeah. All right, Michael. Well, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. I know you're where are you at right now? The Bahamas, oh, according Jesus to Turbo. Christ. I'm in the Bloomington yeah, Illinois he's studio. In the, I'm seeing him. I'm looking across the way, Turbo, so I can't <laughs> confirm he is working right now, so he's not just taking vacation. <laughs> what is it with all, these, with all these, and this is not a political statement, racing people who are always free market, free enterprise, a guy who makes a little money selling a racing website, and then they all yell at me for not being no, at all the races, the right? right? Sometimes the racing community gets soft and gets a little sensitive, <laughs> you know, but no, we do appreciate you being on the show here. I know uh, Turbo, when I said we wanted to do Rigsby, was very 
fired up about it. He came out with some heavy He's hitters excited. early. I know, I know. So thank you, Michael. We appreciate it. Curlbutt Falls. Yes. Get on. You're one of our best ones. I'll put you in the top five. <laughs> Woo! I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> All right. Thanks, buddy.